Hello and welcome along to Intune, the podcast series from the Scottish Music Centre. My name is Keith Beattie. Today I'm joined with musician, producer and musical director, Marco Cafola. Hello Marco, how are you doing? Hi Keith, how are you? I'm well, thanks. So I think just kicking off, how did you start being involved in music? Was it an early thing? No, it was actually uh, quite late. Um, I was probably about 14 or 15 at school. And um, basically, it was you used to get a free half hour like music lesson mm-hmm. uh, into one lesson. Um, so all these other all the other kids in my class were getting pulled out of geography and history, go to music, and I was like, "What's that?" You know, like why am I getting stuck here? So <laughs> I just put my name down for anything, and it was like keyboards or something like keyboards. Or, it was uh, yeah, it was keyboards to start with. So. I thought I was skiving by getting out of these boring classes, if you will, you know, like at first to go and do music. But uh, once after a couple of months of getting into it, I just, something clicked. It was an epiphany. I was just like, wow, this is what I wanted like, to do. So that coupled with always having music in the house, uh, big influences from mom and dad, obviously, like um, uh, really eclectic tastes. So there was always music there, but, and it was, them reacting to it, you know, like now it was amazing dancing along to songs like my mum or my dad singing lyrics to like Dylan and, and the Stones and stuff like that. It was, mm-hmm. you know, you, you saw them interacting with it. So it was it was tangible almost, you know. So uh, it was definitely, I was definitely aware of music uh, from an early age, but it wasn't until I was about 14 or 15 where I was trying to skive history. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so it was keys, you picked up keys at the, at the very beginning? It was, it was like keys and maybe... A tenor recorder, you know, so oh, all right. yeah, so tune a day stuff. Um, right. But um, it, it was like my music, uh, my piano teacher, our keyboard teacher, Mrs. Lee, she, she got me theory as much as piano, uh, pretty much from the offset. So when I was I was playing, she, she encouraged me to like kind of write as well music. So uh, I've always written music from pretty much I started playing as well. And it was like Unchained Melody, uh, that song. And then she asked me just to write a kind of, a counter melody kind of thing so it's just long notes and then at first it's the, the same note as the melody but then the next uh, bar I changed it so I created I felt I created something for the first time yeah. as well even though it was just one note and then mm-hmm. another something went off of me again saying wow I love writing music I love creating music as well so I was just as excited about like creating music as I was playing music. That's amazing I think it's brilliant as well, that you always remember the person that sort of encouraged you to do that. It's always often like what a one person, like you mentioned, a teacher's name that yeah. encouraged you to take the step and, and do a bit of writing. And it's amazing that you still remember it after this, you know, this time. Absolutely. Um, I was I was at uh, this school in Milton, uh, Saint Augustine's, and it was it wasn't a great school in, in terms of facilities and stuff like that. But the teachers were amazing, and it was the music department. And speaking to other musicians, you always feel like there's a there's a synergy with your music teachers, yeah. probably a lot more than a lot of uh, other subjects, you know, like, um, and it was Mrs. Lee's piano and uh, Mrs. Boyle, or Mrs. Smart, she is now, like, and I, Julie, like, uh, she, uh, they knew that I was just into music, you know, and there was, wasn't much else, like, activity-wise to do in the school, so they just, they got me up, like, whenever I wanted to go up, before school, during school, after school, um, because really it was only thing I was good at, maybe still am, you know, like, if, 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 if anything it's that, so they recognised that and they just encouraged me and uh, I, I probably I would have pursued it maybe if it wasn't for them just saying, just 
the department's yours just to, and it was just an old beat up piano we had as well yeah. you know it was like you go to uni and stuff and you hear about oh I played this sonata in the in the the, the school orchestra I was like orchestra you know we had <laughs> in tune piano you know so uh, again it was it didn't matter because it was total like I was hooked from those first couple of notes I think as well one of the going to your arranging the stuff you arrange for the band but um one of the things I'm often keen to tell young people is when they're writing, when they start writing, is, is try and get around other musicians so you can hear it coming back. Like when you start writing a piece of paper or on a sequencer, it, it just looks like notes on a on a stave. It's like, but when you hear, like if you tell somebody to play these notes on a bass and somebody to play these chords on the guitar or a keyboard or, and hear the kit, like it, it brings those notes to life on like in front of you rather than just seeing it on a piece of paper. And you realise that you might have a talent for that. And I think I'm, I'm always keen to tell people that when they start writing. And it sounds like the same thing must have happened for yourself. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Even this morning, I was I was writing something about Sibelius, uh, like the music program, just just like even in Logic as well. And you're drawing MIDI notes in and stuff, and the the kind of and all the plugins they were great and stuff. But you're absolutely right; they're not a real musician. So, like even writing some horn parts this morning, and then I'm just it sounds good. But I know once I get the sax player to play it, it's just it's going to take it to a whole different level. So you're, you're right, just just getting in the room with other musicians as well, and 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 playing what you've written is is a total different experience from headphones on and just now working away in your own space. For sure, I. Is it so? When you left from from high school, mm -hmm. what was your next step? Where did you go then? What was your? Well, I, I went to North Glasgow College um, because my my school announced it was getting closed like halfway through my fifth year. So um, I wasn't, I got, I got a few, again, I wasn't total academic at school at all. Music was definitely the only thing I was excelling at. So I had a few hires, not many, uh, I had music and English basically. And then, uh, and then because the school was closing down, um, it was kind of a rushed decision. So I wasn't ready for the real world yet. I didn't really want to go to a different school for one year. So I just saw this performance music course at North Glasgow, which wasn't far from me. So I, I just uh, enrolled for that, um, just an NC course. Uh, but it was it was wild because the lecturers there were like guys like Ted McKenna for the Alex Harvey band. And, and like, now he is a bona fide now musician, or was, like now he, he toured the world and... Um, Funny, you know, uh, Jamie Gilmore, I bumped into him the other day in the street. He was in, we were in a, a band together at North oh, Glasgow right. and we were talking about it the other day. About <laughs> and just like, I learned, more, and I was saying that to him the other day, I was like, I'm, I learned more from Ted, like in a couple of lectures with him than, than any other course or like like a lot of like any academic thing really because he, he wasn't boast. he was never boastful about it. He was just talking about, oh, that time we're hanging out with the Who or, or Bob Marley or something. And then he would talk about gigs and what happened and stuff. And it was it was all relevant. Just like I says, oh, now I bumped into Jamie, he bumped into Bob Marley or something, you know, like, yeah. kind of. So <laughs> from just being like stuck out of school kind of thing, what did I do? I just got this amazing musical like history uh, from uh, Ted McKenna and, and other guys. Who, who were lecturers who actually were musicians rather than a lot of lecturers who just don't play anymore kind of thing, you know? So it was nothing wrong with that, but I just mean like the guys like Ted, it's like the, the, the bona fide done it. So totally. everything you said, they said was gospel and, and you listen, you know? And he was very charismatic as well. So I went on and, and did that course uh, just for a year. Uh, and then I went to, I just, I just, didn't know what I was doing really, you know? So now I, I left there, I went to Stowe College for a year because it was a, 
the course was called composition and arranging, mm-hmm. but there was actually none, none of that at all. And of course, <laughs> more tech stuff. So then I left that, and then I just decided. And I never thought I'd ever go to uni, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I was just like, well, if I'm messing about in these courses, maybe I should go, because that was like the kind of mecca of, like, oh, if you're going to study, you need to go to uni, kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. and I naively did that. <laughs> so I went up to I went to Strathclyde and did the the performance, the BA Applied Music course up there. Um, and that's yeah, that's that's kind of after school. It's such an important course that I think for Glasgow, and you've seen them in a bands and the people that came out of that course, the performers. It's like incredible. Like most bands you see, you're like oh, I bet they were at Strathclyde, or they were at Strathclyde as well. Oh, totally. Yeah, it is. It's like so you can, true. like like on um, key sessions or mm-hmm. anything like any kind of. Uh, festivals that are shown on TV and stuff, especially Scottish ones, obviously. And it's just like, oh, there's thing, there's thing. Like now, you yeah. know everybody. You know we all. It, it, it was it was because it was up in Jordan Hill as well. You know, like now the campus, we were kind of cut off from the the now the main campus, obviously in town. So there was definitely a more community. It felt uh-huh. like uh, you know, so it was it was very Jordan Hill centric in a lot of ways. But um, we were all. We're all living out each other's pockets mm-hmm. because of that, so we all <laughs> each other probably equally, you know. So, uh, but <laughs> guys in my band today, we all went to now did the course together. A lot of them, so some of my best friends are from from uni and stuff as well, and, and obviously bands. So uh, it was it was great for for just like it was more networking. That's what I thought as well because coming from like Milton and and like having nobody. Like my family, who were actually musicians and stuff, I, I had no contacts, I had no, mm-hmm. had no route, I had no guidance, you know. So, like again, it was like the best will in the world. People would advise you what to do, but they didn't really know what they're doing. So, I just thought, well, I'll go to where there's most musicians, you know, and and it did, it did work to to to, to network and meet other people, but because I didn't know what I was doing and nobody could tell me what I was doing either, you know, so I still don't, but like, <laughs> but I'm, getting a, I'm getting a wee bit more clued up. A wee, a wee year, but, so I, I just kind of, it was just kind of, a lot of it was like uh, shooting in the dark, you know, and yeah. again, some courses like the, the North Glasgow one was amazing, but again, it was blind luck that people like Ted were there, Stowe College didn't work out for me, Strathclyde was great for the networking, so it was just, just try to find your way, you know what I mean? Totally. And were you in the band? Were you in Federation of Disco Pimp then, or were you in another band? Were you? Yeah, well, uh, I started a band called Kubrick because uh, Stanley Kubrick was my favorite, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite film directors. So I spelled it with a C, um, uh, and then it was all kind of original, kind of jazz. It was definitely the the basis of because uh, again, I started kind of like classical piano at school, like kind of again because I was like fifteen and it was a wee bit of keyboards, and then. I never went through, I think I started a grade three piano, but that was it kind of thing. So but because I was quite old, uh, I was older, sorry, than a lot of kids that maybe start six or seven playing, I, I felt I was kind of fast-tracked. So I didn't um, have, have the, the normal way, if there is one, uh, to learn. So I, I was I was more classical and I, I loved a lot of classical music because of that. But then I was like, well, I'm not, I, I could never see myself being a classical like um, performer kind of thing. And then it was like, well, I love bands and stuff like that, of course I do, but there, was, there wasn't that many bands compared to other bands without keyboard players, you know, so then you'd find, like, I got into prog rock and stuff like that, like, because right. they like Mike Waitman's and Keith Emerson's and stuff, and then uh, Jerry Lewis, so any, any kind of focused keyboard player in a band, that's the kind of music I liked, so, like, jazz, definitely, jazz and uh, funk had more, like, keyboard-led players, so this band Kubrick was definitely kind of jazz-funk kind of idea, uh, which I was writing for as well, like, just off the back, and, and again, it was just an excitement. It wasn't the best music in the world, but the fact that I had my own band that I was writing for for the, like, for the first time proper, 
Yeah. It was incredible. And it was just, even I think I've got some old recordings, like terrible recordings from years ago. And it's not the best, but again, it's the excitement you hear from it. You know, like, you know, you go, well, I'm doing something new here, you know. So it started off like, you know, a bank Kubrick, and then I had another band called The Babemans, <laughs> which was a more of a prog rock band. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, that was that was that for a while. So and then yeah, it was a lot of uh, again again right up to recently. It's all been pretty much instrumental bands, you know. Mm-hmm. So just because of the music, I just uh, I never really focused on lyrics when I was younger. A lot, you know, I've, I've changed a lot now. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was all about the performance, and when you're younger, you're more bravado and more showy offy kind of thing. So it's good to get out your system, and if you're going to do it, it's best to do it at school and at uni kind of thing, and then totally. you can kind of own it and, and decide. So it was, it was a lot of deciding what I didn't want to do, you mm-hmm. know, taking that off rather than knowing what I was going to do, you know, so it kind of swittled down over the years to, to kind of where I am. And you do all the writing, you did all the writing for a federation, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, um, wrote and uh, pretty much arranged as well, you know, so, uh, uh, so it was, I mean, it was a balance of like, especially like all the horns and the harmonies, uh, a lot of the, the riffs and guitars and stuff, and um, but like things like, like drums, I wouldn't like, go to the drummer and say play exactly this but I would reference things you know like and mm-hmm. even producing now I'd, I'd do the same for sounds it's like I wouldn't tell you take that off like how many hertz off or whatever like a mix but I'd say can we get it to sound like this and then send them a drummer or a, a song reference kind of thing yeah. you know so and yeah. I've, so it was it was definitely like 80-90% composed and arranged when I was taking it in but then it was oh, maybe 20 odd percent of the band just now because mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell these amazing musicians exactly what to play there was mm-hmm. definitely uh, uh, points that they can open up and jam out a bit you know yeah. but um, but it was definitely yeah I was uh, as I said I just, I just love writing as much as I, I did playing you know so yeah. I mean it's quite a brave step writing for, for that many musicians also and like things that need transposed like nearly every horn in that needs transposed something different is that right? Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of them are, you know, so there's like the, excuse me, the, you got uh, some of the, like the trumpet and the tenor saxophone, they're like in uh, B flat, so they're down like now a tone, but then the altos change and, it, it, yeah, so a, a lot of the horns is, is different, you know, and it was funny, again, like just sitting writing some music this morning and you're doing it on Sibelius, this music programme now, and it's like, it does it for you automatically, uh, you know, but I was thinking about it. Uh, oh, I was watching a YouTube video as well last night of uh, Keith Emerson, actually, the yeah. uh, piano player, and he was writing now down on the manuscript, all his notes, and it totally uh, like took me back to 20 odd years ago when I used to do that as well, you know, you're writing it all down. So, yeah, so again, that, that theory I got uh, uh, drilled into me from young, and it's done me good as well. So it's great now that, it's just like a word processor real, isn't it? You know, like now right. you can auto-type, uh, auto-correct and uh, all sentence structure stuff. So it's, it's a musical version of that, but you need to still know how to write and, and form it together. You know, it, it should be an aid, you know, rather than right. a for you kind of thing. So. Totally, so true. And I think with, with sequencers especially, like quite a lot of people compose as they're, like write as they're playing around with it. So they end up writing it as they're playing around. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's another thing as well. When, when I go to sequencers or Logic or something, it's always set at like 4-4 like four, four time, mm-hmm. 120 BPM and C major. It's like, change it. You know, I always say like, now get away from that because then that's why so many sequence basics 
sounds the same because it, there's this uh, template that everyone just kind of starts with. And then when they've got an idea, they go, oh, maybe I should have did this or did that. So I'm always mindful of, of coming in from it from a different place. When I was getting into kind of a bit more technology and I was like, I'm not the most tech-minded in terms of home setups and stuff like that. So I've got the basic stuff to get all my sketches down and, and good good quality demos. But like like years ago when technology wasn't as good, I was getting so hung up about all the right sound card or the right mic and all that stuff that by the time I got to press and record, I was so like burnt out. So I, I had to just strip all that away and just get my phone and the voice memo kind of function and just like a dictaphone press record and sit at the piano and just because it's more important to get the ideas out and get them down it doesn't matter how the quality is but as long as you've got some kind of like record of it and then you've got all the time in the world to transpose it or uh, transcribe it onto logic or sequencers or Sibelius. That's true and I do all the fine tuning then as well Um I think when I first heard of you it was probably like many folk first heard about the band, was on the, the Commonwealth Games, which was 2014. Yeah, but but there was lots of things happened before then, which, you know, I think you'd done the album in New York. Is that right, before then? Yeah. It, it, it was crazy because we started, it was me and a couple of the guys for uni. Um, and it was just a, a covers band playing James Brown, Herbie Hancock, all, all that stuff, getting drunk at the pub, like, you know, doing all that stuff. <laughs> and then I went, I went to New York with a friend uh, and I saw this uh, band called Lettuce. Uh, on the Hudson River, um, uh, on, on one of the boats, and they were playing all the same covers, you know. But they weren't like now they were, they were doing it right, and then there was some original stuff. And they were, and, and without even knowing them, like again, it was just this connection of going the, the, the kind of same setup, the same kind of songs, but they're doing it right. So mm-hmm. I kind of came back, and and that's when I started really writing for the federation uh, because it was obviously mostly covers. And I was like, no, I, I need to do this properly, and then that's when I brought a horn section in. Um, and then had to lead by example, you know, and, and, uh, and go from there. So uh, Ross, a bass player, um, he, we, we were talking about it and we're saying, like, let's record some of the music. And it's like, if we had a record deal, who would we get to now mix it or produce it over? So he says, well, why don't we get the guy who does that band, you know? So uh, <laughs> we just emailed him, like blind email, you know, like Joel just saying, listen, like, we love what you do, let us... Like we've only got two tracks recorded, you know, like now kind of if we save up, can we get you to mix these, you know? So so he said yes. So um that was it. So it was all done via email, never met him. He did the first the double A side, it was the Bruce Lee and Gimme Some Light A side. Uh, and and then it was like again, it was this other level of validation for my music because mm-hmm. he, I didn't give him notes, obviously. He he just he knew my influences from style of music it was so he made it sound the way I, I thought it would be in my head but better you know like now yeah. it, it, it just made it authentic you know so then I was over on, on holiday a wee bit after that um, and I, I just asked to meet him because um, I just wanted to say thanks in person for, for doing that and I went to his studio and we hung out that day just like and he was like oh man we should make an album and I was like oh, I'm just a wee guy from Milton <laughs> You're, like, you're this big producer in, in Brooklyn, you know? And, and he's, again, he says something that changed everything. He says, why not? You know, like, and then I was like, why not? You know, so that really, I, I've always been a kind of positive driven person, but again, that was our light It went off in my head, or like, it went on, sorry, in my head, and, and was like, um, why not? You know, like, so I decided we're going to make this album. So we made the first album, More Than Dancing, we recorded it in uh, Castle Sound in, in, uh, in Scotland, in Edinburgh. And then me, Mikey and Ross flew out to, to New York to sit in while Joe mixed it. And it was incredible. Uh, and then while all this is happening, we were getting some radio play on like like Craig Charles and Radio 6 and stuff like that. So 
<clears throat> we couldn't get a gig anywhere to be honest but then <laughs> all these things we, we kind of left Glasgow but then doors started opening up and there's jazz festivals and other belladrum and all that so it was such an exciting time and then this was all the build up to deciding we're going to do the next album um, uh, so we decided that and just at that point um, we did a few sessions for Radio Scotland as well in the jazz house and um, the Commonwealth Games was coming to Glasgow so uh, one of the producers they were asked by BBC Sport uh, down south just saying can you give us a bunch of bands that you'd recommend to be like the house band kind of thing and the producer Muslim who uh, he, he says one one band I recommend you know, like, <laughs> and it could have been any band you know like now any level you know so again it was just so grateful He's, he he produced the, the show that we did for Radio Scotland the year before and he just remembered remembered us uh, so he hooked us up and then we had to audition and, and stuff and I had to kind of pitch it how I'd do it you know so it was just like well the roots on Jimmy Fallon and then uh, America I was like we can give yeah, you that yeah. kind of idea kind of thing so I had to then uh, arrange all these things for the guests to walk on and walk, uh, walk off so it, it was really it, it was one of the best years talk about highs and lows you know like now I, I've always had this mindset of you've, you've not done anything until you've done something kind of, like don't get ahead of yourself no, there's no egos who are you kind of thing as you said you didn't even hear me till 2014 and I thought I was doing well you know so like uh, but, but then that year we're getting that, that gig on, on uh, BBC One like like national wide, it wasn't just like music in Scotland. It was incredible, and then uh, we we got that, and we decided to take the whole band to New York to record the album. So that was all done within like three or four months of each other, right. and I really thought, wow, this is it. You know, like gonna you know come, I'm, I'm going to be famous. You know, like, and, I, <laughs> and again, it's just these ups and downs where. Like I was trying not to get too excited, but I mean, how could you not after right. all that? You know, but. Um, uh, so that 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 was the kind of that, that that took us to 2014, mm-hmm. uh, and I had the experience because I I was in our band called Easy Orchestra after I left uni, and we we just we were kind of like a pub band, but we we were also the house band on Radio Scotland for Fred McCauley every Friday morning for like four or five years. So <laughs> so again that that experience came in handy for getting the Commonwealth Games because we had arranged things for mm-hmm. a guest to walk on and stuff. And, and I mean live TV, it was it was. It was Talk about pressure, you know, it was like like arranging live TV, your band, like you had like the producer in one ear, director in another ear, you're watching the presenters, you know, and then you're like, oh, this guest's not coming on, you need to change this thing. So I had shorthand with the band, like we're good this thing too, like now all this stuff, and it was like and, and we nailed it, you know, it was it was and it was great because in music you don't get a lot of time to spend such a, a, a close group of time with each other because it's gigs are two gigs here then you're off for a week and then it's three gigs there but for like three or four months we were like together like constantly and it was amazing and it only does good things for the, the musicianship and the tightness and, and the friendship yeah. as well hopefully when things are going well you know so yeah, for sure yeah, for sure it was an amazing period I think as well, like moving from that like the, the position you held with that it was like a almost like a managing director for the band on TV and did that, was that an obvious like through the pandemic I know that you were working with, is that true, you were working with Susan Boyle for her? her yeah, show? I was her musical director for uh, that last uh, tour, just, I mean, we got the last gig in just before Covid uh, shut us down, you know, so. So you managed to get a show, you managed to do a show? Well, yeah, we did, um, we did a, a run in the UK, so we did right. like 10 dates, I think it was, something like that, so uh, three or four in Scotland and then the rest down south, so. Right. Uh, again, that was that was a great experience, and I got to um, 
pick a lot of the band as well, you know, so not not all of them, but like, so um, so I could pull in uh, a lot of the guys who were in the Federation and yeah. like a follow-up project and stuff as well. So uh, it was great to, because again, it's, you've got these guys, you try, I brought some new guys in as well, I've worked with before, uh, I like to mix things up as well and, and mm-hmm. stuff, and, uh, but uh, it was a, a total different challenge, you know, especially working with a household name, you know, like now, um, it, it was wild. I, I'd never been on stage. Like again, I never really um, factored in that now that she was so famous mm-hmm. that when when you, we were on playing like before she walked on kind of thing. But then this energy that's sent towards the stage because because her story is so like everyone's like rooting for her. You know, right. there's total positivity like sent there, and it's this. I've never felt that kind of like focus from the audience like sent me. So again, that can be quite uh, overwhelming as well, you know, like now you can uh, like go, wow, like now because there's only so many things or so much you can get in in a practice or a rehearsal situation. So, uh, but again, just being super prepared now allowed me to like like experience that as well. Mm -hmm. So was that like a, a massive difference for you then working with that band and working on your own? It, it was, it was not, it was, it was a different, it was definitely different in the sense that um, it was new challenges. It was mm-hmm. like, kind of, it was like, um, she, she'd not been on the road like for like four or five years. So like she'd, she'd done like one off little shows here and there, but this was a full, like nearly two hour show mm-hmm. uh, for, for a, a bunch of dates. I'd never worked with her before, obviously. I never, I, I only met her like maybe just one or two before the rehearsals kind of thing. So it was, meeting somebody new, you've been given this position, like, kind of thing. It's like, you're trying to, like, now, obviously your name's on this, so you you want to make it as as good as it can be. Like, but obviously, because something like a household name, there's, like, these songs are so iconic, you know, it's like, you can't mess with them, you know, it's like, so, (laughs) it's like, but then at the same time, you want to kind of put your own mark on things as well, you know, like now without, but it has to serve the song, absolutely. So there's some things that couldn't be done. So me and the other guy, Chris uh, Judge, he was like, kind of, we were like co-MDs in a lot of ways, you know, he, he dealt with the vocals, I dealt with the band kind of thing. So between us, we, we, now we arranged everything and we, we worked out what we could be, what we could do from before and what we can add to it, you know, so that we could bring a, a fresh show on stage. So it, it was definitely... A, a new challenge and a different challenge because putting a band together and I like doing, doing original music there's not much money in original music compared to doing like now session work so when I can get a band to work for me for pretty much nothing or like now things that's not going to pay their bills kind of thing you give them what you can when, when you when you make it to here's a real wage mm-hmm. for a, a gig it's like because the, the, they trust you already because and, and and they believe in what you're you're trying to do already, you know. So that they know how you work, and 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 I know that they've worked so hard for me, like with with no monetary value to it, you know. Like and that, yeah. music's not about that, but you know, like so when when we come into this, and and I've always I've always been really encouraging to my band as well, and, and tell them how amazing they are because they are, you know, like and they work hard, and there's no egos. But I was like, you deserve this. We deserve this break to to showcase what we can do on a different platform. So sure. it, it was great, and it, it, it was there's a lot of like man managing it in that way as well. But mm-hmm. when it came when it came to the music, ironically enough, it, it was it was quite simple. You know, like and I, mm-hmm. it was just like here's your parts, here's what we should do. Let's work out a couple of things. So um, it, it, so the musically, it, it, it was it was definitely easier than the mindset of this different thing because a few weeks before it, I launched. 
the album, the, my solo album, and it was pretty much the same band, you know. So yeah. we're going from this da 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 <laughs> kind of crazy <laughs> original music to I dreamed a dream, you know, like and it was it was new, you know, it was amazing, you know, and it and, and I do find it really fortunate that I, I can do that with the people, some of my best friends as well, you know, yeah. in, in, in the band. That's good. I was going to ask about the Kafoa, the, the Cowboys and Africans thing, like to tell us more about that. Like I see it as it's a massive, like almost political like concept album. Um yeah. I hope I'm not being fair saying that, but I think it is, I think it's great. Um just tell us more about how that came about and what the, the essence of that is and, and what you're what you're doing with it. I know you sent the video, the video that you sent is exceptional that you you've done as well and I think it shows what the band's capable of. So just tell us a bit more about that. That'd be great to hear. Yeah, well, again, we finished an Emirata, uh, the Federation album, and again, I, I go through really creative periods and bursts, and then, excuse me, and then, so I've I've written this album, I'm, like, it's a great year, 2014, uh, all this music was just pouring out of me, and then I couldn't buy a song for years, it's just like, I'm like, I just wrote all this music, Where, where's this, it just, I just shut down, and, and I think, reflecting on it, as maybe a wee bit burnt out by instrumental music, mm-hmm. so... I started writing a couple of like uh, songs again, not not thinking it was just going to be an next Federation album, to be honest. And um, but then I was writing some slower stuff, and I was like, "Well, I don't need horns in this one." And then so it, it was a couple of little like musical ideas coming out, but it was nothing like concrete at this point. So that coupled with having my daughter uh, Maya, um, so. I couldn't just sit at the piano at my leisure and just like write something. I was like, um, my, my partner, she went back to work at, uh, after three or four months of having her. So I was literally left with the baby during the days. And then it was like, we're both working really hard. I was out at nights rehearsing, uh, gigging. She was working all day. We're passing over the baby. So I couldn't sit at the piano, but like I could hold her and I could write lyrics basically, you know? So, and then when I was away with other bands and I was on a tour bus a lot uh, for a few years uh, and travelling a lot, again, I couldn't sit at the piano. So it just, it was just like, maybe it was an opportunity for me to write lyrics. So, and at that time, Trump was coming into power and Brexit was on the horizon. And uh, and, and Emirata was about Scottish independence as well, the Federation mm-hmm. album, even though it was, it was mostly instrumental. And, and I really liked that. You know, I liked mm-hmm. that it was a, a, it was a, another layer to the, to the music, you know, so... So, so at that point, I just decided, you know what, like, try to say something political and, and, and say something I believe in under the guise of Federation of the Disco Pimp. I, I just, I, I don't think it was doing either of it, fairness, you know, so, because doing the Animarata album was great, but when I was doing some live shows and I maybe speak about independence and stuff like that, like, people were like, oh, I just want to dance to your music, you know, so like, I, I got that vibe coming, so I was like, okay, that's fair enough, you know, so I decided to, to to leave that side and, and take it to Kefala. And I just called it Kefala just so there's no pretense. It's just straight to the point. This is what it's about, you know, like now. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 it kind of came from that. So I, I just I just got into writing lyrics. And, and because the world, it's obviously got a lot crazier, but at that point, it was just this, this whole new chapter. Um, and uh, I, I saw Stevie Wonder at Hyde Park. And it, was, <laughs> it was the songs in the Key of Life, one of my favourite albums. Uh, and it was the 40th anniversary. And he said... He says, I'm so happy that everyone still wants to listen to this album, but I'm still really sad that the, the messages and the music is still relevant today. And, and then again, another light bulb moment, I was like, mm-hmm. Do you know what? I don't have to say anything new. I just have to like keep that message alive, you know? So yeah. uh, so that's where the lyrics came from. And it's just, 
and, and it kind of became obviously autobiographical uh, as well, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of my own personal experiences were put into the album, uh, coupled with what I was seeing in the world and, 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 and how I see it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, and it was the same with the, the Numerat album. I wasn't telling you to do this or do that. I was just, all I wanted was to, to make you think kind of thing, yeah. you know, like now, um, and I think a storyteller should do, it should mm-hmm. provoke thought rather than tell you, he's right and he's wrong kind of thing, you know, so, because um, you, you're only your own person to, to make your own decisions. Yeah, I thought it was great, the, the video you shared, I think one of the things, like, my wife had asked me at the start, like, do you, with the pandemic, like, are you really missing uh, gigs and things and missing being out? And I, I'll be honest, I, I, I said I wasn't until a few people through the last six months or so have sent me videos. Yeah. And every time, everyone I've watched has been goosebumps like complete goosebumps watching it I'm like I really miss it and I didn't realise how much I did no. until you see it so it was, thanks for sending that because it was no, no, totally it. like you know like it was it, do you know what? it was total therapy for us you know it's like mm-hmm. at the start of lockdown you, we don't know what's going on you shut down you stay positive you know like, as musicians by our very nature we, now we, we don't have a steady kind of day job mentality anyway so it wasn't too bad to start with but then when the government's telling you you're not viable you have to retrain and you're separated from your peers and your band you know it's like you've been stripped away put in a cell and a mindset kind of way and told that you're no good kind of thing so that that's that's quite a lot for people to deal with you know like so i just it was just out of pure like i have to do something like we decided that uh, we need to put this together and Ironically, if it wasn't for lockdown, I wouldn't have had so many amazing production people working on it who were just like, yes, let's do something. So the room is, was wild when I walked in just because we were all getting to do what we're, we're good at, you know, like, and, and, and told that we are viable, you know, like, you know, so even if it never got recorded that night, um, it, it, it wouldn't have mattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, um, it was just what was needed kind of thing. So, uh but, but looking back on it, it was just like, even just afterwards, just like catching up for a wee minute, you know, just talking rubbish like you usually do after a gig. Just just these little things that you miss. And I'm sure people who work from home, like now there's pros and cons, but you're like, you just miss a wee bit of chit-chat, you know, like off the cuff kind of thing as well. So it's the little things that you miss as much as, as these big events. But uh, what 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 I've produced, I think, is just, it's because we've only done one live Kafala show as well. I'm trying to still figure out what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I got uh, when I got the video, I was like, "Wow, this is what a Kefala show can be." So I'm really excited to share it like sooner rather than later and, and get it out there. And, and hopefully, when when the world opens up again, we can <laughs> take on as many stages as possible. I look forward to seeing that one live, Marco. Hey, listen, man, brilliant, great to catch up with you today. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure to see you and have a chat with you today. Thanks a lot for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Keith. Cheers.